Hello everybody, welcome to the ICS podcast. I'm Martin Calvert, I'm marketing director here at ICS Digital and ICS Translate. Today I'm joined by Dan Nation, who's an SEO specialist here at ICS. So welcome, Dan. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me. No, it's our pleasure. So today we're going to do a um, bit of a run through of um, the most recent developments with Google. Um, these things do move fairly quickly, but one thing that's capturing quite a bit of attention at the moment is Project Magi. We're calling it Magi. Could be Magi, could be Maggie, could be any variation of this. Yeah. We're not quite sure. We are sticking with Magi. So that's kind of what we're going to try and persist with for now. And it's a, you know, initiative that seemingly is a response to Google being a little bit on the back foot when it comes to AI and um, the business implications, uh, um, existential implications, I suppose, for Google um, for getting that right or wrong. Um, so we'll talk through a little bit about the current state of play and possibly have a bit of wild speculation as well. But for the benefit of uh, listeners, Dan, do you want to kind of give a bit of an overview of what you do here at ICS on a day-to-day basis and uh, yeah, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm, I'm SEO specialist here at ICS. Um, so daily activities range from optimizing copy and landing pages, performing keyword research, um, implementing content recommendations as part of strategies. Um, but further to that, you know, providing technical recommendations or for clients on how to improve their their websites for international SEO purposes, um, as well as you know, working with teams internally and externally, such as our content teams, design and dev and, and link acquisitions, just to make sure that we're all up to date with the latest ongoings with SEO, um, which, as you said, is, is very fast moving at the moment. So we're going to have a little chat about, about what's happening at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that, that, that's kind of the, the more... Um... I guess interesting part of it is the uncertainties. You know, there's certain parts that we do we do know. There's certain things that Google and Bing and other search engines will say. Yeah. But then, you know, as responsible agency partners, we need to also advise our clients based upon what we think is true, um, which doesn't you know doesn't always seem to match up with what Google and other search engines say. Um, they've got their own um, you know priorities as well. So trying to interpret some of this in a responsible way is part of what we and uh, you do. <laughs> so I guess with this um, particular um, ah, development, what can what what do we know at present? So what would you say Google Magi or Magi is all about, and what's what's the wider context? So with Google Magi, um, as we know, it's it's the latest move in what is seemingly being known as the the AI wars at the moment. Um, so we know Microsoft has gained a lot of momentum after teaming up with OpenAI, um, and they've integrated Chat GPT like features into Bing. Um, so that's something that has already happened. Um, Baidu too has also announced an AI powered search engine. So this is now Google's interpretation as to what the next step is. Um, you know, AI is not something that's new to Google. Um, it's something that they've used to help rank web pages based on relevance to any given query. So initially rankings were done using a, a combination of human curators and algorithms. Um, and whilst these human curators or quality raters, as they call them, still help Google sort of categorize the information and, and improve their systems, 
over time, lots of companies have been relying more on the algorithms to rank these web pages. So they're able to process far more data than, than any human can possibly do. Um, and also able to update those rankings a lot more quickly when new information does become available to them. Um, but essentially what AI is, is currently helping Google is with quality control um, and then understanding the search query. So they're looking to implement that into a wider space um, to provide a, a lot more features like you know, understanding more complex queries, improved voice search, better personalization, um, and effectively that's going to lead to better content discovery and richer results as a you know, implementation of the AI directly into a search engine, which is what Project Mage Eyes is looking like to be. So what, so what do you think, you know, based based upon what has been publicly stated, what is the intent behind this for, for users? Is it, you know, we've got this uh, focus on quality from Google, which is a very, very broad term. You know, it's not, I mean, if you're talking about quality on a day-to-day basis in your work or personal life, you'd say that's quite a subjective thing. Yeah. But that wouldn't apply to search engine results and website quality, website copy. You know, it's difficult to know where to start. So like, what, what are the implications in terms of what's been stated for users? And yeah, let's start with users. So like for website users, what's the implication? What should they experience if they get this right as they say they're doing? Sure. So I think the, the first thing to note is Google's last updates for the last couple of years have all been very much geared towards user experience. Um, and so quite a big arm of this new Project Magi, which is going to be you know, tested very shortly, is the personalization factor. Um, so one part of this, and it's quite a big caveat of Project Magi, is the ability to actually make transactions within the web browser itself. Um, so you won't have to leave Google to, to make a transaction. So um, effectively, what I'm getting at here is if I'm in the market for a, a pair of trainers, for example, um, I could then go into Project Magi, as we'll, we'll call it now, um, you know, effectively talk to it as if it was a person and say I'm in the market for a pair of trainers. And based on what that project actually knows about me, all the data points that it will hold, it can then pull back some recommendations from shoe sizing to different color variations, whether I need wide or narrow shoes, and even how different brands have different sizing capabilities. So it's all mm-hmm. very much geared towards providing the best experience for me personally. And you know, yeah. if we were to flip that around and those results are gonna be in, entirely different for you, Martin, and entirely different for somewhere, somewhere else. So um, it's yeah. very much geared towards what is it that I'm going to be looking for as a, as a person. And it's supposed to be substantially different though. This isn't just like taking Google shopping results and adding a conversational layer on top. It's supposed to be able to interpret things around, well, drawing upon upon that pro, pro, well, progressively profiled data that you've been giving Google for years mm-hmm. and applying some interpretation of that to actual live available products, interpreting colors and shapes, it seems, yeah. to give, a, you know, give advice. So... And on the one hand, that might make buying decisions really straightforward. On the other, it is contingent on this massive amount of data that Google has been harvesting 
and is now being able to utilize. Um, so I guess for, for, for normal punters and customers, the question is, you know, does this ease within my life um, balance out the, you know, increasing realization that it's my data that underpins all this stuff that, that, that and this is, this is where we flip it around again yeah. and see what are the implications for businesses? They should be good. I mean, the commercial incentive is very, very evident here. That, that's correct to say. Yeah, exactly that. So, um, as I said, it's, it's gearing more towards Google asking themselves a question. If you're typing into Google, I'm in the market for a pair of trainers. Realistically, why should someone have to leave the Google page in order to, to do that? So I think quite a, a significant factor of this is, as you say, going to be actually within that transactions. Is there going to be quite a significant drop in the click-through rates to specific websites? Um, that's something that that could come into into play, but from a business owner's perspective, does it really matter if the sale is coming through the website or through Google if it still results in a sale? I think that's the big question yeah. that needs to be asked on on their side as well. But from a sort of further marketing perspective, I think there's going to be quite a significant change when it comes to the ad side of things. So at the moment, anyone who's running Google Ads is going to be very familiar with the the term cost per click. Um, and while it's not been publicly acknowledged yet, there's a you know, very wide understanding that with this in mind, the transactions actually happening through Google, it would make quite a lot of sense for them to actually change to a cost per acquisition model. Um, so that's something that would be mm. sort of considered and, and needs to be taken aware of as well from a from an ads perspective. I mean, I think some of the debates around this for e-com retailers in particular will be, and even travel retailers, yeah. travel retailers, travel operators, it'll be similar to the debates they have with aggregators and affiliates. And now, now that I've just said aggregators, it's also probably the same for B2C finance or credit card loans, mortgages, mm -hmm. where people in these niches d depend on aggregators to some extent and affiliates to some extent but they also increasingly resent paying out money to third parties. Yeah. So I do wonder, you know, if Google is like they have done with rich snippets, if they're surfacing offers on the page and taking that transaction and they become the only game in town, how will um, operators or travel operators or retailers or um, finance brands feel about that? And then beyond that, what will happen to this, um, wave of third-party um, affiliates, for example, whose bread and butter is ranking in the SERP and then directing traffic towards a, a partner, if that um, answer is never going to be based upon, um, you know, a, a traditional top 10, if it's something more conversational. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, you know, a, a, we've likely seen a, a similar previous example of this you know when we account the weather for example so you know years ago when you used to type you know want to find out what the weather was where you were you just have to go to a site like weather.com uh, or or similar but now it just shows you the weather where you are um so it's all very much personalized based on on your search so yeah, in, in my opinion, it's going to be a very sort of similar transition over to that type of of interface um, I mean, sure, there, there's still always going to be people who prefer to do it essentially the, the quote unquote old school way. 
Um, mm. And, you know, I think people are a lot more aware of their data points as well in terms of actually who's got access to them and exactly what data different companies hold about them. And I feel, you know, Project Magi specifically is only probably going to be as good as the data it holds about you. Um, so yeah. there is some caveat to, to that as well. Yeah, and as we said at the outset, this is also something where we're trying to take a look at what the stated aims are, but then how things work in practice might be completely different. If things do work as intended, it would feel like affiliates and aggregators will move or have to move more towards more qualitative content, not just the kind of top 10 credit cards or top 10, um, you know, antivirus software, that type of thing. They'll have to do something more substantial where something more editorial, where it justifies people dwelling on that site for advice, something more meaningful. Um, it's, it's a, it is a tricky one, though, because there is that potential mismatch between what they say they're going to do and what will actually happen. Um, is there anything else that, you've, that we feel like we're sure about with this Magi or anything we don't know yet but can spe- <laughs> speculate further about? Yeah, so, I mean, as I said, that it's all in very early stages of, of development yet and there's no actually real clear timetable for any any release. Um, but yeah, what we have said is that you know, transactions are definitely going to be involved as a, as a feature. Um, ads as well are very much going to be in the mix of, of the results. Um, from a actual transaction perspective, you know, we're aware that they do have Google Pay. So that seems like a very seamless transition yep. into that as well. Um, but yeah, from, from what we know, um, there's not a, an awful lot to sort of dive into because it's only really been mentioned by by third parties and not really addressed by by Google itself. Mm. But in terms of you know, speculation, um, as I said, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see quite a big transition in in their ads model, um, particularly mm. leaning towards a, a cost per acquisition method rather than, than cost per click. Um, but from a sort of more overall and overarching perspective, this is going to be the birth of a, a new form of SEO. Um, you know, mm. when Google is is searching through your products and services to display to people through Project Magi, how is it that you can optimize your site specifically so they show your your products and services? So you know, it's not too dissimilar from um, you know how you would compare App Store optimizations in comparison to search engine optimizations. They they each have yeah. their own qualities. Um, but the foundations of them are, are quite similar. I mean, it could be. I mean, there could be quite important content implications. So not just having product content with the SKU number and sizing and color, or you know, even just like you know, the factory interpretation of color. It might be more editorial in terms of you know, actual description, um, style, heritage, what it goes well with. Capsule collections. I mean, we do lean toward talking about e-commerce here quite a lot, but I imagine it's similar. For, it could be similar for travel. Yeah, you know, not just talking about destinations, but also the type of people that go there, the nature of the experiences, and this might even tie in with the kind of the, the push for eat, sure. you know, expertise, uh, experience, authority, trust, as well. So, I, I mean, it's difficult to kind of unpick all of this and see how it might work together, but I mean, it does feel like if that does take place, there will be. A critical role for content, as there often is with these new innovations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, in terms of you know, 
essentially best practices to to try and keep up with with the updates. It's very much you know keeping to the the fundamentals in terms of mm. sort of general SEO and you know, not over optimizing your your website content. We know Google likes to put a lot of focus on how well content is actually written and structured and you know ensuring that it's actually relevant to to the audience um but at the same time not being too broad keeping mobile search in mind so we know google switched to, to mobile first indexing mm-hmm. so all of the sort of very basis underpinning rules essentially of, of seo are still going to be relevant particularly when it when it comes to content and you, as you well, touched on, on the uh, eat and, and indexation is one of the biggest ones of course which is well, since forever, if Google can't find the site or crawl the site effectively and efficiently, it can't surface that content. Yeah. So maybe that'll be a new frontier for SEO, which is crawlability with AI in mind. Yeah, You absolutely. know, the type of content that will inform, you know, a more narrative approach to narrative approach, conversational approach to surfacing this type of uh, material. Um, so when we're talking about this entire situation, we can't really ignore what's going on outside of Google. Um, you know, the innovation with ChatGPT and this resurgence of Bing, it probably surprised quite a lot of people. Um, but, you know, the, the very real utility and power of uh, OpenAI is, is, is kind of very clear. There's definitely a lot of hype, but there's also some very hype-free applications that are coming into fruition now. And, you know, things that it's developing at pace in that area. Um, do you think there's enough room in in the market for multiple giants of AI? Um, or do you think it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath to try and determine a winner like Betamax versus VHS or whatever? Yeah, sure. So I think the the combination of Bing and, and Chat BTC is, is is probably the the biggest threat to Google in the last twenty years or so, um, and in response, Google's now racing to to respond to that and build their own system. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think Google has been quite worried about the AI powered competitors, and um, you know we we talk about Chat GPT as if it's some sort of pedestal placeholder but it's only actually really been in effect since november so that's how far it's it's been since um but two weeks approximately after they announced chat gpt that's when google created their task force and actually you know going to to really tackle this so you know i think from from our perspective we need to understand that ai is not something that's new for google i'm sure that quite a lot of people are aware of their projects like the self-driving cars um, mm-hmm. And then all the large language models that they use for development of generalistic chatbots as well. So, um, you know, going to, to more recent times where they've generated um, their own chat model called Bard. Um, so, yeah, it's something that's that they're very familiar with. Um, but yeah, in, in my perspective, uh, you know, the big priority is is definitely who's going to be winning control over this new market share um mm-hmm. but you know if we look at the the statistics google does take a, a very large portion in terms of search engine market share i think it's around 85 percent on desktop yep. and around 90 something percent on on mobile so um you know for for me it's a bit like if you said i'm running a race against usain bolt but he was just caught up in conversation when i started the race so 
Um, yeah, I still think it's going to be a bit predictable as to who could possibly win that race in the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree. Um, and, you know, when we talk about a threat to Google, you know, a threat to future share price is enough to worry people within Google. It doesn't mean it's a threat to their existence, but you know they are—they are a massive money-making entity. Yeah. So the concern isn't necessarily that they're going to fold; it's that you know shareholders will start complaining and key people will get sacked. That's probably a lot of the driver. Although you know, taking the opposite point of view, we have heard about companies that were too big to fail before. In the financial crisis and um, during the pandemic, and you know, on I guess on the social media side of things, you got you had Friendster, which used to be ubiquitous. You had MySpace, and you know, things can you know wither away pretty quick at times. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree with you that it's um, that the threat is financial rather than existential. But you know, who knows? Um, and I, I, I do think there is that open question about is this actually going to be better for users or are we going to be treated more and more as the product? We are both the product and the consumer of the product. Yeah, um, sure. And I think you know, what we touched on earlier in terms of the the platform's only going to be good as you allow it to be in terms of the data it holds on you. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to actually see exactly how those personalized results are going to be you know, above and beyond what we receive through what Google interprets as personalized already for us on the general search function anyway. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good point because a lot of initiatives, you know, if, if it isn't accepted by the public, it's going to fall over. And, you know, the metaverse could go that way in, in spite of, you know, the, the passion of, you know, Facebook you know, historically, virtual reality initiatives haven't done terribly well. It's been a niche interest, things like Second Life, all of that. You know, they have a ceiling. Um, so we'll need to see how people respond to it in, in actual practical reality. Um, I guess there are still some elements of uh, planning that could be done. Is there anything in particular you think that SEO and content specialists in particular should be paying attention to or planning around for Magi or other AI platforms in general? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I feel as AI and general machine learning does become more prominent and, and more popular, um, you know, it, it could really potentially revolutionize search and, and how we promote businesses in general. So I think from you know, what we can gather in terms of what actually has been publicly made available the results are going to be more accurate, personalized, and um, you know the, the future of AI does seem to gear in really towards the personalization factor of mm. of search. So, in terms of you know as you know business owners or marketers in in general, as I said, that those fundamentals in terms of actually you know, not targeting too broad content and keeping mobile in mind creating mm -hmm. high quality and original content that's actually helpful and useful to users. Um, that is what I feel is really going to, to feed into that AI aspect in terms of, is this content relevant to the, you know, to personalize to this specific person? Um, so following those EAT guidelines. Um, so you know, make sure you're always demonstrating 
experience, expertise, authoritativeness, yeah. and trustworthiness. Um, that's going to be the the foundation of actually excelling, you know, with or without AI. Yeah, I mean, it's my my personal gut feel is that there'll still be individuals, possibly a majority of individuals, who are not just about the end result. Yeah. Like the end transaction, some people like the journey of going to a shop in the physical world, and similarly on the online world, having a browse, clicking around, exploring, evaluating, rather than having a curated service. Because you know we can all see the appeal of that for advertisers who who will get a you know who want a frictionless path from a basic query to a purchase. But as a customer, you might not want that frictionless, immediate transactional thing. It's not just about the end point. It's about what I do along the way, which is why people have Pinterest mood boards. It's why you've got fan sites, physical, not physical, um, but, you know, active forums where people have more discursive content. And maybe there'll still be a place for, um, you know, clusters of fans of different types of product who will still want to have more of a um, social element to this as well. It's not just, uh, I want to buy something as quickly as I possibly can. And I'll do what Google tells me to do. Yeah, sure. And I think, you know, it, it does bring up the question, how far is too far in terms of you know, where they're, they're willing to go with this? Like you said, there's always going to be people who completely reject the idea of personalization mm-hmm. and, and technological advances. Um, and, you know, you can you can see that in you know, general everyday businesses like supermarkets where they have personalized tills, but they still have those people who want to go and speak to, to yeah. other people. I mean, just just in this conversation, it's kind of worth. I'm I'm almost thinking that the, some of the niches that could benefit most are the ones where you have a necessary and personal purchase, but it's not something you particularly enjoy. So insurance, or um, I don't know, I don't know if there's a massive like fan base for vacuum cleaners or anything, but certainly that's the type of thing where I'm happy to get a recommendation based upon my personal profile at the right price point, and then get get that purchase made. Whereas something more personal, you know, gifts, um, aspects of clothing, fragrance, makeup, I can see that being a more um, uh, traditional experience. But who knows? Maybe, maybe these things will, you know, be so sophisticated that it will feel like a curated, assistive experience rather than an interruptive by this thing now experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the the sort of main point of it as well is not going to be the the be all and end all. There can be very much a a flexibility between the two. So one area where I do find that could be particularly prevalent is potentially in property. So if you are holding data points against what I prefer as a person, um, you know, imagine a system that could trawl through all those hundreds of thousands of properties and actually recommend some to actually go to in place and, and view. I think that could be, you know, particularly game changing for, for a lot of people. So it's not to say the end tra- transaction has to take place within the platform. Um, you know, why can't it make recommendations in terms of, you know, actually taking that offline as you say into the real world yeah. and, and taking it from there. So that, that, I mean, that, that would seem like a logical move. And yes, I think the property example is a really good one. Because it's not just about you know having the right price point in approximately the right location. There's all sorts of subjective factors around appearance, aesthetics, age, all that type of stuff that you know existing systems might be a bit basic in current and covering, but a more 
rounded understanding of the user's needs will help filter and curate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess our, our approach from here on out is to evaluate, you know, what Google says it's going to do, what Google actually does, what other parties in the marketplace end up doing in response, and insofar as we can break that down into advice for clients in different sectors like property, travel, e-com, other niches of retail, finance. Because, as you said earlier, the the implications will differ for where you are in the market and the nature of your company. So, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to add on that, I suppose. Yeah, sure. I mean, Google and, and other search engines generalistically tend to be very minimal in, in what they announce. Um, you know, the, the good thing about the SEO industry that is that it is very sort of information sharing heavy in terms of, um, you know, professionals do speak to each other a lot and actually share their findings and um, their views on, on different points. So um, it does, you know, as and when we do come to, to grips with exactly what Project Magi is going to, to come out as, um, you know, the, the SEO community as a whole is going to have a very good idea as to exactly you know, how to tackle that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very exciting and, and uncertain time as well. So, um, you know, we we like very fast moving um, areas of, of marketing here. I mean, you know, if you take search as, a, as an example specifically, I think it was in 2021, they made over, you know, 7,000 or, or 4,000 different improvements to to search, you know, that's that's eleven improvements a day that they're making in a in a calendar year. So, mm. um, yeah, the you know, we're used to to a fast moving search engine business. So, um, yeah, we're we're all very excited to see exactly what the future yeah, holds. Keep, keeps us on our toes, and I guess for listeners, one thing to bear in mind is, as with any big initiative, you know, assuming it takes off in the way that they intend, there'll be some risks. There'll be some opportunities. They'll be different for different people in different sectors, depending on their company size, the resources they can draw upon. So anybody who's blanketly, blanketly saying as a blanket statement that this is a game-changing for the better or game-changing for the worst, not particularly useful um, approaches to take. I think yeah. the pragmatic view is to really um, evaluate closely and realistically and see the positives, see the negatives and plot a way forward. Yeah, exactly that. But like like we've said before, there, there does seem to be, um, you know, a few cases where it can really accelerate, you know, in e-commerce, for example, but in other areas, there, there could be some serious detriments like you know, clicking through to websites and things like that. So, um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's important to take a real wide view approach to this and, and see exactly how it, how it plays out. Yeah, so well, cool. We, I think we've covered a lot of what we currently know. Definitely had ample dose of wild speculation, and then hopefully we've anchored things at the end there by giving a bit of a pragmatic note of caution. But yeah, Dan, thanks so much for joining. Um, and yeah, let's see where we go with Google Magi or Magi or Maggie or whatever we call it. Great, thanks for having me.